0: Please pray with me. Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Well, as the father of four children, and as a former junior high school teacher to boot, I think it's fair to say that I can spot a cleverly devised myth at a good distance. That I am particularly well-practiced in discerning when the truth is being cunningly manipulated so that it favors one possible interpretation of events over another. Now, of course, I'm not unique in this skill. It is something we're all called upon to do regularly, assuming that we regularly encounter other human beings of any age or stage. And that's because we human beings just love when the supposed facts back up the opinions we already hold or defend the actions we've already taken. This is sometimes called our confirmation bias, our natural, innate tendency to prefer information that's on our side, that confirms what we already think and do, and to then either happily ignore or else cunningly devise myths to account for any inconvenient dissenting facts. Now, in our epistle reading this morning, St. Peter is clear that that is not what he's doing. He is presenting us eyewitness testimony, just the facts, ma'am, with no adjustments for his own bias or belief. He saw with his own eyes Christ transfigured on the holy mountain, heard with his own ears, God the Father call him beloved. And on the basis of that, he has presented the gospel. Now, Peter has clearly come a long way. There has been many years of further experience of Jesus died and risen, further influence of the Holy Spirit, and I'd guess much personal struggle to get Peter from where he once was to where we find him this morning, having overcome his confirmation bias. You see, his capacity to creatively misinterpret what Jesus says and does so that it better fits his own expectations is one of the things he's most famous for in the Gospels and even into Acts. But no longer. That trait of his is even on display in the very reading we had this morning from the Gospel, which Peter presents as Exhibit One for his veracity. Once he had seen the glory of Christ, and he wanted to box it in, to manage it and to control it, to build dwellings for it so it could work for him. But apparently, no longer. We find Peter this morning has come where few of us ever really get to the place where he has allowed the truth to transform him rather than the other way around. And he goes on to tell us that the first thing we must understand is that no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. Because he knows from his own history, as we should know from our own histories and from the sad history of God's people in both Testaments and right up until this very morning, that the scriptures are often easy and favored targets for our confirmation bias. That we see God's word as low-hanging fruit out of which we can cleverly devise wonderful myths to support whatever we want to think or do. All instead of just listening to Peter. Yes, we read it, but we only hear what we want to hear. And we grasp on to passages that fit neatly into our culturally comfortable beliefs, and we twist them so that they fit a bit better. And when we find one that just doesn't fit, well... We either pretend that it doesn't exist or we (coughs) cleverly devise it into submission to our way of thinking. Instead of just doing what Peter says, instead of just standing back and basking in the glory of the gospel and simply listening to God's beloved Son. In fact, we'll do almost anything with the Bible except that, except allow it to do that one thing it's supposed to do, take us out of ourselves, and point us to the transforming truth (coughs) of Jesus. We would indeed do well to be attentive to the lamp of Christ in our darkness, and so lay down ourselves and our agendas. We would indeed do well to merely allow the light to shine on us because when we do, before long we'll find that it shines through us as well. Jesus took his core group of disciples up onto the holy mountain so that the light of his glory might shine on them before they entered the dark valley that led to Jerusalem and the cross. We here this morning remember that glorious light just before we embark once again on our own yearly reenactment of that journey to the cross in Lent. And so this Lent, will we forget the light and instead once again spend the sacred 40 days reinforcing our own cleverly devised myths? Or will we remember the light and allow it to stir and grow in us like a dawning day? Will we seek to manage the light to build for it dwellings that suit our own fancies? Or will we humbly submit to its brilliance allow ourselves to be transformed by the truth so that we even if only like that faintest morning star, we might begin in this world to shine with the glory of Christ. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.